Here we go, Hour 3, great day for talk radio, as a little bit of rain seems to have fallen in the big town. Anyway, uh, is that rain or is it just the shine off the streetlights? It's getting dark early, I can't tell anymore. All right, doesn't matter, Mike, I don't need uh, a weather vane to know which way the wind blows. Just the sidewalk is wet. Oh, Oh, you know what it is? We've got a construction site out front here, and they're building buildings uh, immediately to our north between... uh, Queens Key, Queens Key and our building, and uh, there's a spray guy truck that drives by periodically just to keep all the dust down, I guess. That's the point. And make all the mud. Well, that's what it is, yes. It's kind of a handsome stew that he's got going on there. And uh, the rain's slated to come tomorrow at some point, though, and for the kiddies on Halloween, that is in case uh, it's going to do that. I hope it doesn't dampen the prospects of having a good time. It's always a good time for the adults, too. You know, I got a lot of them who come by in the neighborhood and they've got some urn of something or a cup of coffee. Yeah. The Leaside travel mug. That's what it is. And uh, they're out on the curb (laughs) or leaning against a tree to keep them up uh, while the kiddies go door to door trick or treating. However, I wanted to talk about another scary prospect. Oh, and a reminder, you know, on the Whitey Bulger story, this guy, uh, infamous as he was uh, with a Winter Hill mob in boston and the whole story you know uh was depicted in the movie the departed where jack nicholson played this role of uh i guess a whitey bulger kind of character where he had a brother who was in the massachusetts state senate who protected him i mean and he was a notorious criminal eventually i guess uh convicted of 11 murders having died in prison so they say earlier today at the age of 89 that he lived well into his 80s as a criminal, notorious guy, because he had gone on the lam. And they say in uh, certain circles that his brother actually helped to facilitate his escape. He was found finally about, what, four or five years ago in Santa Monica, California, living with his mall, his gangster mall. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk to the author of Black Mass, Whitey Bulger, The FBI and a Devil's Deal, and its sequel. Uh, the New York Times bestseller and Edgar Award winner. Dick Lair is going to join us here shortly. However, I wanted to talk about the scary prospect of uh, not just kids coming to the door dressed in costume. It's the revenuers when they come a-calling, the CRA. And if you're a small business operator, you know full well that uh, this one's not going to end pleasantly. They have it in their mandate to try to intimidate and shake you down. And that story has now become uh, rather commonplace for those in small business. So let's get Jocelyn Bamford in here. She's the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario to speak to this phenomenon. Jocelyn, how are you this afternoon? I'm well. I'm well getting ready for Halloween and uh, for the trick-or-treaters tomorrow. Okay. Well, I did say, you know, uh, when somebody comes to your door, if it's from Revenue Canada, don't open it. Don't give out candy. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, it's not candy thereafter. Uh, look, it's a kind of a a well-known phenomenon now that the revenuers do have it in for businesses because the Panama Papers thing exposed offshore money. So Trudeau upped the quotient of, uh, I think, by 400 so-called investigators or auditors, and yet they couldn't recover the smart money offshore, so they're going after domestic, uh, I guess, putting the, the arm on the domestic people here, and that includes small business. Have you heard of that within your own ranks? Yeah, so I, I read that Tim Sheffield's uh, article in The Globe, and it's a fantastic article. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a frightening read. But this is something that our company, Knockwood, hasn't experienced. But when I went to my members and to um, some accountants that we work with, 
it is a horrifying and pervasive um, experience out there. And they told me that during the past five years, there's definitely a change in tone uh, to a more aggressive and adversarial approach um, from the CRA. And that is reflected in the fact that um, the government has um, put uh, $1.5 billion, according to Tim's article, into new funding. And that funding is going into enforcement activities meant to crack down on tax evasion and to fight the sophisticated tax avoidance. And since they couldn't find that, um, they went after the average person with this new funding dedicated to auditing um, um, tax, uh, the small to medium-sized businesses, and they are expecting for each new dollar of funding $5 in tax revenue. So they're definitely um, going after the small to medium-sized business, and a lot of times these are completely unfounded. So um, our members are seeing this, our, the accountants are seeing this, and it's, again, part of this whole narrative that small to medium-sized businesses are the bad guy. Well, yeah, obviously the CRA starts out with these this presumption of guilt. Uh, it's the only, I think, law where uh, technically you're found guilty until you can prove your innocence. Yes, and absolutely, and, and there's a complete power and in, in balance because... Um, the CRA has in-house counsel, so they can send things, um, they can make unfair rulings, and it's up to the small to medium-sized business to challenge that in court, and that takes resources and costs for lawyers and accountants. And so there's definitely a power imbalance um, on, on their side. And in addition, um, uh, what I've been told from our accountants is that there's these new auditors that don't seem to be as well-versed in the tax code. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, there was a car dealership um, that was being audited. And um, when, the, when a car dealer takes a trade on a vehicle, um, the HST is levied on the net amount, but the auditor in this case was arguing that it was the gross amount, which would have resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of payment. And, and they had to, you know, insist that the auditor go back to her supervisor and she found out that in fact she was wrong. But, but those are some of the cases of them not being as first um, in the tax law. And, and another um, example that I was provided was that some of the, um, the auditors didn't understand um, uh, some of the legislation, which, how dividends are received. So, so those are two prime examples of the auditors not being new and not being up to tax code. But it's, again, up to the small to medium-sized business are presumed guilty until they prove themselves innocent at, at a quite a great cost. Yeah, I was going to say uh, cost in time as well as money. Uh, this is something where it's difficult to actually, you know, go up that hill and fight them. Uh, I don't know if any of your members have had that kind of uh, pleasant experience, but uh, you can tell me Jocelyn Bamford's on the line with us, again, the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. Now, ordinarily, uh, we talk about things like the minimum wage and so on and so forth, but coming at it from a different angle, because there was this piece in the Globe and Mail that cited where the revenuers do take this presumption of guilt and uh, they can be tenacious in basically uh, knowing they can ruin your life or your business. Right, and we had a, another story where um, a, a, a business was assessed um, arbitrarily for over $200,000, and it took them three years. They, they ultimately won, but it took them three years, time, resources, stress, 
to prove themselves innocent um, to get that reversed. And the other thing that we're seeing is um, when when the tax uh, the CRA comes a calling, they expect you to turn around. Um, they used to be 30 days. They've now shortened that in a lot of cases to 15 days. And the 15 days start when the letter was typed, not when you receive it. So, uh, you know, we had some examples where um, the letter was typed, the, the um, small to medium-sized business didn't receive it for five days later. They tried to call the auditor to get some clarity. She was going on holidays for four days, and it left them with a tiny window to get back. And she, she informed them, you know, her day, they called her at two. She said, my day's ending. I'm not coming back till Monday. <laughs> and so it left them, you know, hanging in the wind there, not, not knowing what was going on. And again, ultimately, it was it was settled, um, and and but the, again, the small to medium sized business is kind of left there holding the bag and and um, burning time and resources and money to try and solve some of these situations. Now I understand because uh, there have been numerous complaints, and so egregious are these accusations that people are you know trying to stiff the tax man or uh, they're they're being uh, unlawful. The, the Auditor General is scheduled to release a report on their audit activities November 20th uh, because of the bad PR. And I guess Justin Trudeau, you know, having made every if, effort to uh, soften the image. And what it says here is instill a culture of service. Uh, what do you hear or what do you know about the Auditor General's released uh, the, the report that he's planning to release? Well, we're, we are looking forward to seeing that. We know that the, from all of the stories that again there's a, a pervasive view that that the business owner is um out to hide revenue and that couldn't be farther from the truth we want to pay our fair share and and we're we're happy to do that but there there needs to be a move from um helping and assisting you to pay your taxes and understand the tax code than trying to um you know tie uh, take nail you to a stake and and make sure that you understand that they have more power than you. And one of the other things that um, we we hear time and time again is about the um, what's called the shred credits, which is scientific research and um, experimental development. And and there was a move to um, really try and invest um, in in Canadian technology, which has been phenomenal. You should see some of the technology that, that we've developed. But what happens is you invest the money, then you go through a shred audit, and then it's up to the, the shred auditor to, to close the books. And sometimes they keep that open. So you've paid paid, uh, invested your money, and to get your tax credit back, you're waiting like year, a year to get your tax credit back, and there's no timeline. You know, one of the things that would be very helpful is the government and the CRA gives us um, timelines that we have to respond to them. They also should have an obligation to get back to us on things that we appeal, on shred credits. It should be a two-way street. So we're hoping to see some of those um, uh, changes uh, coming forward, but but we're we're um, we'll be pleasantly surprised if we see that. You know, it's interesting because stateside Donald Trump, in order to uh, create a more competitive uh, edge for manufacturers, there has allowed equipment to be amortized like almost immediately. Right? I mean, you'd get the credit for it right off the hop. 
in year one. Right. And that's one thing that we've been advocating um, for. Um, Equipment is very expensive. And, you know, at the end of the year where you take your profits and you invest it back into your company because you have to. And, you know, equipment ages quickly. There's new technology out there. And we are advocating for the same kind of tax reform that we see in the United States. We think that will really stimulate the economy. And I've got to ask you finally, uh, Doug Ford, uh, he said uh, they're going ahead with a tax credit for minimum wage workers. In other words, and you hear the, uh, I guess the rejoinder from the left is that folks would be better served to get $15 an hour than get a tax credit for anybody making under $30,000 because uh, that really doesn't matter because they don't pay tax to begin with. How do you see it? So, so again, we have, to, we have absorbed a 20% increase. Um, and it's and again, it's the cascading cost of that. A lot of us in manufacturing don't pay minimum wage, but when you raise the minimum wage, we have to raise our our um, salaries accordingly. So a lot of us have, have absorbed enormous amounts of increase, and the government is doing their part by not paying taxes. We'd like to see some of, as I suggested last week, we'd like to see the unions also um, pay, pay, make their contribution by eliminating um, the dues on their part-time employees. So we're all in this together. So um, it, definitely another uh, dollar increase is just really um, tipping the balance for a lot of, of small to medium-sized businesses that are already faced with three times the electricity um, rates. Um, they've already absorbed this cost. Um, we've got, um, you know, it's just not a fun time to run a business um, in this in this province or in this country, and we need to see some fairness brought back so that there's equi- equi- equity for both the employers and the employers, and then the, the economy grows together. Yeah, I know when you first floated that by me last week, I guess we asked our friend Buzz Hargrove, uh, former head of the CAW, if uh, in the case of minimum wage workers, they should forego union dues and therefore, you know, give them a little bit of a leg up because I guess the dues collected usually uh, for somebody in that tax bracket is about $588 annually. Uh, he said, first and foremost, uh, minimum wage people aren't members of unions. That, that's not true. I have a friend that works at a grocery store. She works two, um, two days a week, and she absolutely is a member. So I, I think um, some of them need to go back and check their 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 uh, membership, and oh. because definitely um, that's not the case. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we shall let you go. I appreciate your telling us how small business does respond to uh, the long arm of the CRA, and this is something that is of concern when you're considered to be guilty before you can prove your innocence. That's never a pleasant specter. Uh, Jocelyn Bamford is the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. Thanks, Jocelyn, as always. Thanks, John, and happy Halloween tomorrow. And to you, too. Ooh, it's scary just thinking about those prospects.